Hey everyone, so before we get started here, we're going to do a message from our sponsor, Chirp, C-H-I-I-R-P. What they do is they provide automation to your company. So they do ringless voicemail, text, and email. If you go to a customer's home and you do a really good job of executing the customer performance, but six months later they forget your name because you didn't leave a card behind, maybe they threw the card out, well, Chirp makes it impossible for any customer in your database to forget about you. You send them reminders, hey, you know, we need to do a tune-up. Hey, you're due for your oil change. Hey, uh... We just want to let you know that we're thinking about you and we care that you're a customer of ours and thank you for using our business. Chirp is the best way to reach out to your customer base and they are a sponsor of this podcast. So go ahead and check them out. C-H-I-I-R-P. Welcome to the Ryan and Nate's Business Podcast. Come listen to these two blue-collar business guys. Nate, your go-to automotive repairer, and Ryan, your local heating and air contractor, talk about business, how to help you, and hear stories from our local unsung heroes. Community matters to them, and so does a healthy business. Here's Ryan and Nate. Yeah, today uh, today we have James Greiner. He is the CEO and founder of Waterford Business Solutions. It's a financial advisory firm. They help small businesses do all kinds of things related to finance. Uh, they're based in South Carolina, but their clients are all over and he serves them virtually. So you don't have to be in his backyard to use his services. Uh, Ryan has used Waterford for years now. And at every meeting, James finds ways to save Beltway heating and air conditioning money and gives a side-by-side comparison of Beltway versus the rest of the industry um, so that he, so the Beltway can know how they compare to everybody else. So here's the man who brings all the value. James, welcome to the show, buddy. Absolutely. It's good to be here, guys. How are y'all doing today? This is great, man. Uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, our goal for you today is just to talk to, just imagine yourself talking to small business owners and somebody who's maybe tried to be, tried to do this themselves, the whole, uh, all these financial things themselves carry the weight of all of that. And, uh, I mean, you've, you've made it easy for Beltway, um, to do what they do. So thanks for being here, talking a little bit about the value that your company adds. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. It's something I enjoy doing, talking with small business owners and helping out anyone that I really can there to understand really what's going on in their business, whether they are big enough for a financial advisor, big enough for an accounting firm, or whether they're just starting out as a one-man show, as a truck out there on their own, going out on their own, needing to really understand what is the legality, what is the financial implication of what they're getting into. And that's just really what I enjoy is talking with everyone there and helping from that Ten thousand dollar a month show all the way up to doing two three million dollars a month is something that's always always a challenge and every every single client's fun different and provides a new puzzle and that's that's the fun part about it. So you would say that's the threshold is if you're doing about ten thousand dollars a month that's when you need an accountant service. We generally recommend clients looking basically around ten to fifteen thousand dollars a month in sales coming in because at that point, if your profitability is where it should be, you should still be clearing somewhere in the range of two to four thousand dollars a month in profit. So that adding in a secondary or an outside service there 
isn't going to zap the money that you need to live yourself along with the money that you need to continue growing your business. Because any business that's really just starting out, fresh getting started, there's so much in startup costs. There's so much in getting your name out there. There's so much that you've got to do with advertising and everything that we'd rather, I'd rather you make sure that you're going out and focusing on getting that business with a solid foundation so that you've got clients coming in, customers coming in, calls coming in, leads coming in to continue the growth of your business and then worry about the accounting. Yes, it helps, but there's going to be so much outlay. There's going to be so much monetary outlay that you've got to do up front that really your first year in business that that's going to be more of a tax situation that we need to look at there, not a, okay, let's streamline processes. Let's make sure that we're making as much money off of each and every job possible. So yeah, around that $10,000, $15,000 mark leaves enough money left over so that someone just starting out has enough money to really live still along with being able to continue growth in their business and be able to pay for any accounting service coming on and helping them out. What, what do you say to the guy? You just, you throw out a couple numbers, like $10,000 a month in revenue, having a couple thousand dollars left over, it, it would be good profitability. I'm imagining the guy who's working in an electrician and the one man show in a truck. Um, he's passionate about mm-hmm. what he does. He's passionate about running wires and making sure everyone are safe and doing services that way. Um, but those numbers, he, he, in his mind, he's like, I don't even know what my numbers are. Like, <laughs> where does he start? So really, anyone should start with getting an accounting platform. Even if you're not doing it 100% accurate, being able to have a platform, whether you're using QuickBooks Online, whether you're using Xero, whether you're using an Excel spreadsheet, but taking the time to just kind of throw hey, I made this sale, I spent this money on it, and understanding kind of not, hey, I've got $2,000 in the bank account, but hey, I've got $2,000 in the bank account, and this is why I have $2,000 in the bank account. Do I expect any any electrician, any tradesman that's going out on their own and starting this to be able to do that on their own? No, not really. But still, the effort to get there is going to be 10 times more important because even if you're not accurate with that, even if you don't understand exactly what you're doing there, you really are still going to start noticing trends. Um, Where we come in a lot with clients and where we try to help our clients is translate those trends. So, Ryan, you're very familiar with this. We, we come in every single month and talk with you there on, hey, here's profitability. Here's where your expenses are going. This expense is out of whack. And yes, long term, you want that to be your goal. But when you're just starting out, it's you've got to prioritize things. And prioritizing 100% money understanding is never going to be physically possible. Let's start with that just because you did not go to school to be an accountant. You didn't go to school to be a business owner. Not everyone, but a lot of people when you're starting out in the trades, when you're starting out in blue collar jobs, it's not like you've got an MBA behind you. 
And trust me, I've even, ha- I've got clients that have MBAs and we sit down and we look at the things and they're like, Oh my word. Like I didn't even know that. And I'm like, you wouldn't know it because just because you have an MBA doesn't mean you understand all this stuff going on here. So if you didn't go to school specifically for this, you're not going to specifically understand this. So we want to spend a little bit of time working to understand that. But at the same time, we want to recognize that you went to school to be an electrician. You went to school to be an auto mechanic. You went to school to be an HVAC contractor, whatever it is that you may be doing, whether it is that you went to school, whether it is that you've been doing this for 10, 20 years apprenticing with someone else and you've decided to go out on your own, whether it is that you've done hours and hours and hours of training, whatever it is that you ended up doing here to get that knowledge. That's where your knowledge base lies is how not to electrocute me when I go to turn on my light switch. Um, whereas I might accidentally do that. Um, I have done that. (laughs) Whereas I understand how to where legally these numbers need to go, where financially these numbers need to go, how the tax return needs to work out. And also I work with enough clients to really understand not just where the IRS says things need to go. Cause like, I mean, that's the necessary evil of accounting. Any accountant can theoretically protect you from the IRS. But with what I really work with and what I really try to do is focus in on the blue collars on the trades, because that's where I understand where the metric should be, where the number should be. So instead of just saying, hey, we're protected from the IRS, now we can take it a step further and say, hey, we're protected from the IRS. And now we understand what you have set as the goals of your business. So any business owner, whether you're using me, whether you're working on your own, you need to set up your three, five-year goal plan so that you can look at your business that way. You can look at your finances that way. James, you, uh, yeah, you've done a great job of telling us like what you do so far and what you have done so far, um, uh, with clients. That's awesome. Tell us a little bit about your story. Like how did you get, uh, why are, why, why are you working with small business and start a firm to help small business instead of working for, you know, a big accounting firm somewhere? Like how did you get to, to, to this spot in your business story? Absolutely. So honestly, I never really thought that I was going to do this. Um, that was never really the plan. Um, wanted to be like an architect or an automotive engineer, um, designing new vehicles and everything. And ultimately my family, when I was growing up, um, at the age of Lord, I think I wasn't even born. One of my uncles started a landscaping company. Um, another uncle, when I was like two, had an HVAC company that he started. Another uncle, when I was like seven, started a house washing and pressure washing company. So when I was growing up, if I wasn't in school, my family was working together at these different shops, at these different things. And so I was there. That's where my after school care was. Literally at the age of two, three, I was sitting in the front office of my family's landscape company at one of those like Fisher Price plastic desks, tables that you have when you're a kid. Um, and that was my desk in the front office. Like literally I had crayons and paper and everything. And I would come in after daycare and the receptionist would like give me work to do. So like I was doing that at the age of two. Do do you still have crayons on that, on your desk right now? Like, 
I don't no. think right now. No, no crayons. Okay, crayons in the office. That'd I mean, be pretty <laughs> awesome if you you could pull up like a coloring book and you're still doing it. <laughs> but that's what I was doing at two, three, and as I got older, it was like, hey, like go help out so and so unload the truck. Go help out like things like that. And in the summer, like, hey, you got to go out. Like you're not sitting at home playing video games. You are going out and you're like mowing lawns. You're helping to install HVAC. Like I was 12 installing HVAC units. Granted, could I legally do it? Let's not talk about that. (laughs) But family business stuff in the South, like a little bit of a difference there. Well, family Uh, business, you got to dump the trash. You got to do, you know, you got to do everything. Paint. Make it all happen. You got to make it happen. Yeah. Exactly. So that's what I kind of grew up doing. And as I got older, 12, 13, 14, obviously I was still there during the day and it was something, okay, we're going to put you in the back office. And so I started helping out with the dispatching, with the recording of the invoices, sending the invoices, um, helping with paying bills and stuff. And really helping to streamline some of the processes there with our businesses and family friends kind of saw it and I got involved there and helping their businesses. And it just kind of snowballed into starting Waterford um, and ended up starting Waterford ultimately because I worked for other accounting firms. I, I interned with other accounting firms. I worked for other ones and I saw what they considered their clients and they didn't look at their client like a business, like a person. They didn't look at the client as, Hey, like I want to have a relationship with this person. I want to like, I want to know about their kids. I want to know about what they like to do, things like that. And I want to really be there to help them. It was okay. Here's a number. This is how much they pay me type thing. And they're just putting, not even a face with the name of the business, not even a face with the name of the client. It's just a monetary value on them. And I'm like, that's not how any client should feel, whether they see that or not. They shouldn't feel like they're a monetary number. They should feel like, hey, there's a true interest here. There's someone who's actually looking out for stuff, understanding me, and who really and truly cares to help me build my business. So since I grew up in the small business, since I grew up in the trades, that's why I really specialized there. That's why I really specialized in small businesses. And then seeing how other firms treated clients and didn't regard them as a human being is really why I wanted to go out on my own instead of working with a huge firm or something like that. Someone who partners with you, how often do you end up talking with them? So me myself, I've started moving more into a business management role. So I'm not as much client facing as I used to be. I still spend a lot of time with my clients, but we really have set up at Waterford a very, very robust system of working with their clients. Every client is assigned three different employees, one, which is their primary bookkeeper. Who's going to be talking with them, emailing with them, maybe calling them, two to three times a month at minimum, if not more, depending on questions, things that we have going on, stuff like that. Um, Obviously, as we get to know clients more, then there's not as many questions. So a little bit of cut back there on conversation. Um, And then they also have a secondary bookkeeper who's double-checking 
that bookkeeper's work. They may never meet that bookkeeper, but that bookkeeper's there still cross-checking, verifying accuracy of all the information so that there's two sets of eyes there. Because anytime we're doing finances, there's so many things that can go wrong, so many things that can get goofed up. So having both sets of eyes there really helps to ensure accuracy there for all those involved. Um, and then they have what we call so the is it a measure twice, cut once kind of thing? <laughs> exactly. I mean, we literally, the primary bookkeeper goes through, enters all the information. The secondary bookkeeper reviews it as if it was a brand new client that we've never worked with before and that we know that there's going to be a ton of problems with and just tears everything apart to be able to find any duplication, any misentry of information just to help ensure as accurate information as possible. And then there's a third set of review that happens with the advisor, as we call it, who's the primary person the client talks to. They're, they're the ones who really understand the business, sitting down with our clients at least once a month for most clients. Um, some clients that are smaller, they'll sit down with only quarterly there. Um, but most clients they're meeting down, sitting down with once a month. And if there's more questions or anything like that, call in whenever. I mean, we've, I've had clients, I mean, I met with a client earlier this week that I'm trying to understand some stuff going on. So I've called them every single day this week because I don't understand a new process that they are putting in place. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you've saved me a ton of money. I mean, the last phone call we had, it was like, oh, you were double charged on um, the dumpster mm -hmm. fee. And we like tracked it down and it was a mischarge. And if we, if you didn't tell us, we probably would have never noticed. I <laughs> had a, an accountant in 2019. Um, I started my business in 2018. And I, in my first year um, of business, I went through. I might have gotten up to a million, maybe just under, maybe in the eight hundred thousand range. And I went. I was like, "Oh, I remember the phrase I said to myself. I said, oh, I just went through a million dollars and I'm broke. I don't understand why.'" Um, and James is obviously someone that you can use the that can really help you with that. Um, and when I wrote down, like, I, I have an Excel sheet of like, "Oh, well, I I got a." years worth of banking statements and I was like I have to go through each reoccurring charge and then reoccurring what sometimes is monthly sometimes is quarterly um, and I realized oh my overhead without paying anyone at the time was I think 38,000 and I was like oh it costs 38,000 dollars just to keep the lights on in this place on a one million dollar operation a month and I didn't know that and I'm like okay well this is why I need to charge xyz a day and stuff like that mm -hmm. and james you've also helped us um on the prior year you're like hey you need to raise your prices by this much or you're doing good you can choose if you want to lower them or if not um knowing the average discount has been very good so you break that down on the pnl with us there's um and then also i got audited and for 2020 or 2019 before you took my case so I had an accountant prior to you, but wow, did that guy not do anything? Um, and, you know, I was like, oh, I'm paying this guy all this money and I'm getting audited by the IRS because I had so many red flags. And you pointed those out to me and you said, hey, this might happen. And it did happen. And um, yeah, I mean, you were able to help us through that. And what's really cool is if 
I ever get audited with you while, you know, when did we start? 2021, maybe? Uh, 2020 something. Yeah, 2020, there, right? 2021 sounds about right. Yeah. So you cover me from 20, let's say 2021 to forever because I don't plan on ever changing. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, if I get audited, it's just say, you know, I'm getting audited. Uh, and then you're like, cool, I'm taking care of it. Mm-hmm. It's that easy. So that that's that's gold within itself. Um, and when you audited me in, in 2020 um, or 2019, whichever year I got audited for, my accountant that I went to once a month was <coughs> was off by a lot of money. And um, sorry, I'm coughing. Um, he was off by a lot of money. And uh, I had to pay a lot. I actually got a reimbursement. So that's kind of cool to get audited by the IRS, in my opinion. And they're like, Oh, actually, you owe me money. <laughs> <laughs> That's always the best way for an audit to end is when we find the client money versus when we find the client owes money. <laughs> You've also helped me with things like my boat. Um, how do you make a boat tax deductible legally? <laughs> That's always a fun question to bring up, but ultimately, whether it's a boat or whether it's anything else, um, any asset that we have um, as a business that is openly available for the business to use. Um, So let's take the boat as, as an example. If we're utilizing that to take out clients and we can prove we're utilizing that, if we've got a policy where employees can have certain certifications, a boating license, so many hours, provide those certifications and um, turn it into the front office. They could take the boat out for a weekend or something like that. So just different ways that we can make that boat work for the business outside of just being a boat. Um, Obviously, I I think what you're saying, James, is we need to make a company fun day. (laughs) and utilize the boat. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like we have, um, our landscaping business, um, we would always do once a month, what we called company fun day and three, four employees would get selected randomly and they would get to go do something fun and random. Um, we did zip lining, we did massages with them. Think about a bunch of like burly, gruffy landscapers getting massages, but they—that was. Their I, I don't want to think about that, James. <laughs> but that was their favorite thing: um, manicures, pedicures, um, taking them out on boats, things like that. But always doing something like that once a month, and that was a highlight for the employees because it was something that we didn't have to do, but it was just a little bonus that they got to enjoy. So speaking of big burly uh, massages, um, <laughs> I, I'm I'm listening to this whole you know discussion. Just how Ryan's used you, how you've helped his client or ha- helped his company, and I'm just thinking, like ha- having having someone come in, especially if you've been in business for a while, it can feel probably pretty vulnerable to 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 hire a financial firm to come in for the first time, it, it might be kind of scary for somebody to do that. Cause they might feel exposed and like, Hey, I, you know, I'm supposed to be a businessman. I, and I honestly deep down know, I don't know what I'm doing with the finances. Like what's your 60 second pitch for someone to not DIY their own business finances. So the 60 second pitch really 
as you continue to grow your business, there's so many different variables that you have and you cannot manage everything on your own by having someone that you trust. And that's the big, big word there is trust that can come in, help take something off your plate and really help to explain it to you, dumb it down into really something you actually understand, not something that the IRS says, not something that um, are typical accounting terms so that you can understand it, be there to support you, and also be there to look out for something that you might be doing wrong, um, that you might not be able to be maximizing on, finding every single way possible that we can to ensure that we are 100% maximizing every single expense that we have going on. That is why you want to look at bringing someone on outside or someone knowledgeable, not just keep DIYing it yourself. Yeah. yeah. And if you do DIY it with a guy who is an accountant, you might still get audited. So that's great too. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, obviously, James is the credible guy that wouldn't let that happen or would back it up if it did. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> so, James, what are common things that you see? When you get an account, do you see like the owner's paying himself too much? Do you see him paying too little? Um, we talk about CRMs. Do you see people using expensive CRMs when they don't actually need it? Um, what are common things when you're like, oh, I'm about to save this guy so much money because he's doing X, Y, Z, or this guy needs to actually spend money because he's doing X, Y, Z. What what are a couple of things that we can do to improve our bottom yeah, line? Yeah, I mean, I'll say the biggest one, and Ryan, you pointed this out yourself when you said your first year of business, you did a million dollars in sales and you looked at it and you said, I'm broke, where did the money go? So many businesses are only looking at their bank account. They're not considering the entire financial flow. So the first way that we can save any client money is actually understanding the cash flow in your business and where that money is sitting right now and why it's not in your bank account, where it actually went. That's the biggest thing, step one that we try to do with any and every client because you've never been trained to do that. You've never heard that. You've always, we always say like, Hey, you want to make sure you've got money in your bank account, but just because there's money in your bank account doesn't mean that you still have profit or that you don't have profit. There's so many other factors that involve profit. And so understanding your balance sheet, understanding your statement of cash flows, that's a big thing we work with any client to understand so that we're making sure that we're maximizing how we're paying bills. We're making sure we're maximizing when we're receiving money. We're making sure that we're not overextending ourselves with loans because loans are perfectly acceptable to a point as long as we understand what that cash outlay is going to look like and how it's going to affect you financially there. So that's the first big thing. Another big thing, especially in really since 2020 that we run into a lot is people not understanding what their profit margins are. They, they're like, well, I know what my labor's at. I know this. I know that. And then we go through and we put stuff in and their labor is $10,000 higher than they thought, which may not sound bad to you, Ryan, but to a smaller business, mm -hmm. business that can be huge. So understanding exactly what that outlay is for labor, exactly what that outlay is for um, materials and keeping up with that. Because so many businesses over the past really 
two, three years, we're not keeping up with the constant increases that we had in material costs, the constant increases that we had from employees saying, well, I'm not making enough money or I need to make more money. So they were paying more for these materials. They were paying more for this labor. They were hiring on more employees. They were getting more expensive employees, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera there, but they weren't increasing their prices. So their profit was dwindling. Their net income just kept going down and down and down and down with everything. The other thing is really sitting down and understanding your ROI on your marketing. So many people really, they're like, oh yeah, like I'm paying for marketing. And it's like, okay, well let's, let's talk beyond paying for marketing. Is that marketing actually profitable? Is it bringing anything in? Is it doing anything for you? Um, if so, like how, how much is it doing? Let's talk about that because your marketing agency may not do that for you. They should, but a lot of them don't. So that's a lot of things that we see really straightforward and outright. And that can, all of those can really break down into so many other things like cash flow. We can break that down into so many businesses come on and we review their AR, whether they're using a CRM or not, we review their AR and we're like, you've got 50K in outstanding AR. What are we doing to collect on this? Like, why aren't we getting this money? And making sure that we come up with processes to limit that AR. Um, you've got nothing in AP. Why don't we have credit with your vendors so that we can wait to pay some of this off. Why are we paying for it as soon as you pick it up, even though you're not going to be paid for this job for 30 days? Like that that doesn't make sense for a cash flow standard. So looking into things like that to again make sure we're maximizing your cash flow. And same thing with all of your expenses, understanding exactly where that money's going so that we can say, does this make sense? Again, Ryan, something you said, double charge for the dumpster that you had. That's something you would never think about that because like, okay, cool. Like it hit my bank account. But if you're not looking at it every month, if you're not comparing it every month, if we're not digging through it every month and saying, eh, something screwy here, that that's when things get a little crazy. James, it, it occurs to me that you, uh, you're also, I can just tell, I mean, this is the first time I'm meeting you, but I can tell you're a teacher at heart too. Um, so is this, are a lot of these weekly or monthly conversations with business owners, is it teaching them things like what profit margin is and cash flow and educating them? Correct. A lot of our clients, we really work with them to not just do it for you because I could do it for you all day long and you could just say, okay, cool. It looks good, but actually take the time to understand what it is that I'm talking about. Cause even now I'm probably throwing out terms that you might look at and you're like, what the hell does that mean? Cool. Let's talk about that. Let's break into why cash flow yeah. is important. What yeah, it does. <laughs> I wanted to go back to the profit margin thing because I, I was just finding myself agreeing with you while you were talking. Cause I noticed that in my, in my business during COVID in mm -hmm. any other business owner that I talked to, I heard there was a mindset around, there was a limiting mindset that I heard around raising prices. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, my costs are going up and like, you know, racking their brain when that new email comes in with that new bill for whether it's ha related to like workman's comp 
you know, insurance is going up or, um, you know, th- this part that I used to buy now costs, you know, a third more. And so I, you know, I watched all that happen and I watched people kind of racking their brain at yet. It almost seemed like every on a daily basis, there was a new sucker punch happening, mm-hmm. but then there was also a reluctance to raise prices. Oh, yeah. And then, and then employees also felt got hindered too, because, um, with a, if the business isn't raising the prices that they charge for things, then they're way late to the game to increasing, um, employees, uh, pay so that they can handle the new cost of living that's going up. It was just moving at such a fast rate, um, that I don't think people were prepared for it. So not that I want you to give us a whole lesson in profit margin right now, but like, is there a few key things that people can look at and, in, in a, is it, is it specific to the type of business it is? Like, it really does depend partially on businesses. Um, highly labor dependent businesses are going to have a much higher labor margin than you are going to have a material margin because landscaping, um, if you're just out there doing a mow, blow and go type thing, you don't have materials per se. You've got gas, but other than that, it's labor. But and you got a massage bill. Yeah. Whereas like Ryan over here, you're going to have materials and you're going to have labor. So it does depend on kind of not per se the industry, but the type of jobs that you're doing. And really when we're talking margins here, what margin is, is taking that expense. So our labor expense, whatever it costs for us to pay those people, the taxes, the benefits that we're offering, um, anything like that to employ that person. So if we pay that person $10 an hour plus benefits, plus, 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 not that anyone's paying anyone $10 an hour anymore, but take all of that and we add it together and we divide that total cost over a month or over a quarter or over a year by the income that you brought in, that's giving us our labor margin. Same thing with material margins and understanding that. And as your business grows, like the small one-man show just starting out, he's just going to want to look at materials and labor overall. But like, Ryan, you're now at a point that we want to look at install versus service or commercial versus residential and breaking those margins into further breakdown so that we can see each and every area how it's working out for us there. So is it is it finding key performance indicators that are specific for your company? Correct. It's understanding what is a KPI, um, key performance indicator there, to really understand what matters for your business. There's going to be KPIs industry-wide, but I'm also not a fan of saying every single HVAC business is the same. Because they're not. It's good. Yeah, it's good. You need to look at what is your market, what's going on in your area, and figure out the KPIs that are specific to your business, not just industry wide. Yeah, and on the you know the KPI stuff, the way we have our accounting broken down is you know not only install but install equipment versus install material. Mm-hmm. And then we have industry standards for where they're supposed to be. So if I know my install material is way high, then I'm like, oh, someone's stealing from me. Um, you know, the accounting, the accountant um, P&L, it really can tell you a story. And it absolutely pays for itself uh, time and time and time again. So I was, I, I, that was the end of my point. It's just the way it's broken down is great. And then you can also... 
financing is a big thing too. We, you know, when I first hopped on board with you, James, I, we were doing 16 months, no interest financing. And the dealer fee at the time was 14% mm -hmm. or so. Uh, I think it's up to 17 or 18 now. So, uh, you know, it was like, Hey, you want to add an extra 7% to your bottom line? Stop offering 60% no, no interest. Um, you still have to offer a financing plan. So there's going to be fees involved. You're not going to get away from mm -hmm. that. You know, you're always going to have the financing customer. But when we switched from 60 months, no interest to 120 months uh, with 6.99, the financing customer is the financing customer. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, 120 at 6.99 or 60 months, no interest. Obviously, 60 months, no interest is a better deal. But the financing customer is a financing customer, and we didn't, we haven't lost any customers because we switched. But we were able to add at least seven or ten percent down to the net profit line, mm -hmm. and that's a big deal um, when you start doing volume. Oh, yeah. So that was another big thing you helped us out with. Yeah, um, James, you. Uh, I, I'm realizing like the, the the average business owner. He, uh, we, we know we all are are rightly so. Um, reluctant to add new cost to our business, and because every people are coming from all different kind of angles, um, offering subscription this, subscription that. We're going to help you with this. We can help you with that. Uh, accounting is one of those things that you really can't DIY, <laughs> and it's something that it's a really, really important to do it right. And the cost of mis the cost of failure is really high when it comes to these kind of financial services. So I, I, I mean, getting a sense of your your company and what you do, I think it's I think it's awesome because um, it's a mysterious area for a lot of people, and it's also something where you you said it before. Number one thing is that they can trust you, and you're building a relationship, and you're building solutions for people that are specific for mm -hmm. the, their case, not not cookie cutter. So uh, like I, I just I think you're doing it great, man. I'm I'm excited um, about your company. Um, so real quick, like how, how can people stay connected with you? I think you and Ryan had a, had a, a, a deal to share with our listeners too. So. Yeah, absolutely. Anyone, we love to talk to people like you, you don't have to be hidden behind an email or something like that. Feel free. If you want to check us out more, go straight to our website, go to waterfordbusiness.com. Um, it's got, different industries we serve, what we do with them, all the services that we can offer you, and multiple ways to contact us. But if you're if you're at the point of like, hey, I know there's an issue, I just want to talk with someone, just just call us. Give us a call, 864-351-0852. Um, we'll be happy to talk with you there, help you out there, and get you scheduled to actually talk with me or one of the other advisors to go over kind of what's going on in your business, what issues you're having, and pinpoint what it is that we can work on to make your business better. As far as kind of offer, um, we're really proud to announce and let everyone know here for Atlas clients and everyone listening, we're happy to go ahead and provide you um, a discounted onboarding fee. Any client that we bring on for bookkeeping, accounting, anything like that, there's a lot of work that we have to put into 
get to know you, to get all of your information, your finances and everything there, but to help you get off on the right foot and help you get started with everything. We want to go ahead and offer a $550 discount on onboarding for any clients that come from Atlas and help you guys out to really get a solid base for your accounting started there. Awesome. Sweet. Well, we want to provide value to um, the Atlas people. You know, Atlas is the company Nate and I run that helps other companies be more successful. And um, thank you for making that offer and making it easier for our clients to get in contact with you. And also, um, if they sign up with you, making it easier on their pockets. So I think that's really cool. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. James, thanks for having, uh, thanks for coming on the show today. Um, It was awesome having you. Perfect. Well, awesome having you guys too. Thank you so much. And y'all have a wonderful rest of your day. And I'm glad that I got to speak with you and all of your listeners. Yeah, thank you.